Uh, so, if you will, get your Bibles. Uh, and so, you know, you can kind of turn the, kind of where we're jumping off from is Psalm 73, 28, uh, but we'll be kind of all over today. Um, so, the title of the message today is Draw Near. And so, I know some of you have slept since last week. I haven't slept much, but, you know, maybe some of you have. But you may remember that we looked at counseling last week. Uh, but we didn't just look at counseling. We looked at counseling according to the Word of God. And so, the counseling that you may get uh, in secular aspects of our society is not really what you're going to see in the Word of God, obviously. So, but the obvious goal of that, if you've ever been to counseling or ever sought out counseling, is to better yourself, right? You're not going in to make things to, you know, when you get done and you're worse than what you started. That's not what you want. Um, well, the same can be said about what we're talking about today, being closer to God. Um, nobody, I, I hope you don't have the, the goal or the mindset is when, after you get saved, well, I don't want to know any more about God than when I started. I hope you just, you don't have the mindset that, oh, I'm saved and I'll see you guys when we get to heaven. You know, I hope that's not what we think. Um, and what I understand and what I've seen as I've learned to study God's Word and one of the many awesome things about it is He always gives you a blueprint for anything that He wants you to do. He doesn't just leave you aimless or wondering about if He asks you to go make disciples, if He asks you to read, to tithe, you name it. If He wants you to follow Him in believer's baptism, there's something, it's here. It's here for you. And so the thing about today is the same thing. Um, any managers in the house? We got any managers at your job? Raise your hand. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Yeah. And so I didn't really understand until I started managing people how the lack of specificity can, can, can uh, impact people. Uh, and some people that's been on the worship team with me understand what I'm saying. So, uh, but even at work... Like, if you want an employee to do something, if you want somebody that you're leading to do something, don't just give them, here, you go do this, and then expect it to turn out the way you want it to turn out, right? Because nine times out of ten, if you don't spell it out for them, then they come back, and it's not what you wanted to begin with, who's to blame? Well, it's you, because you didn't tell them how to do it. And that's why I'm thankful for God and his word that he didn't do that when, for us. Um, you know, sometimes if you're going to give people leeway, ultimately, you know, it's going to turn out in a mess, and he didn't do that to us, uh, and he doesn't operate that way. We're going to see that today, so today we're going to see in God's Word that he, if you want to draw closer to him, if you want to be closer to God, he tells you exactly how to do it, and the opposite is true. If you turn away from God, if you do the things that lead you away from God, he tells you that too, and he gives you warning signs about what not to do. Uh, so let's look at the verse. We've got Psalm 73, verse 28. It says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. And we'd all say amen to that, right? I have put my trust in the Lord God. It doesn't end there, though. There's a colon. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all of our works. So once we draw near to him, we can put our trust in him. Because uh, he's faithful. And then we tell that to other people. So let's pray and we'll get into what, we, what God has for us today. Dear God, Lord, I love you. And, and I, as I, I look out amongst these people, and, and they're your people. Uh, they're not Jay's. They're not mine. No, they're, not, they're yours. Uh, I do pray uh, that you just help me today. I am so unworthy to be standing in this pulpit. 
there is nothing good in me. There's nothing in my flesh that, uh, there's nothing righteous that I can uh, hold up and say, man, look at me. Uh, I'm nothing, and I'm nothing without you, and I acknowledge that before this people. I do pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us today. I pray that he would be the one that would guide us into all truth, that he would be the comforter, that he would be the one that shows us the things that we need to have, that he, he does his job, and I know he will because he's the Holy Spirit and he's God, uh, that he would point every person in this place to Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ would get the maximum glory that he's due, that we would exalt his name, even as we're looking at this, uh, these verses of how to draw near to God, that he would get glory, uh, that we would, say the th- we would speak the things of him so he can be honored. Lord, I love you, and I just pray that right now uh, your, your word would not return void, that it would uh, accomplish its pers- purpose and do the things you've, that you want it to do. We love you, and all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So, uh, first point today is pattern. Pattern goes in your blank. And just as uh, we would say that Paul is the pattern for us as New Testament Christians, for the Old Testament, uh, Moses was that pattern. And... All throughout the Old Testament, you can see uh, God kind of laying out how he was going to reveal himself to his people. Uh, just like I ter- said earlier, if he wanted Moses to build the tabernacle, he gave him a pattern, right? Uh, a pattern of things to come. And so with us, it's the same thing. And when we look at Moses, he, when you break that down, he actually is the pattern for us or how to, how to get closer to God. So I want to look at um, Exodus chapter 3. Uh, one through five, and it's on the screen. It's a little small, but well, some of these verses will, a little bit longer passages. So it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And for just a second, notice that he, he's curious. It draws his attention. Uh, he doesn't turn away from it. He says, I will see this great sight. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside the sea, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. But he didn't stop. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where on thou standest is holy ground. So God was going to meet with him there, but he, it had to be by God's standards. Uh, Moses wasn't ready to meet him just yet till he took his shoes off, right, because it was holy ground. So we see the pattern right there, and we're going to see God does want to meet with you, but it's not by how you want to meet with him, okay? Hold on to that. Let's look at a uh, New Testament account of this in Acts. Stephen is preaching. It says, Acts 7, 30 through 33, And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and he drew near to behold it. The voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes off from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. So what we see here is God is revealing himself to Moses, and You know, how does God, first of all, we need to remember, how does God reveal himself to us? It's general revelation and specific revelation. Anybody ever heard that in MTT, right? Uh, If you haven't, we'll we'll have a little refresher when we get done. Uh, But it's general and specific. General is just God revealing himself through your conscience and through creation. 
you remember in Romans 1.20, it said, For the invisible things from him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So God, if you look around, you go outside, and you look in nature, God is revealing himself to us through creation. It's, it's all over you. Uh, no matter how, uh, no matter where you want to go, if you want to get a telescope out, and, uh, you know, Walt has, can tell you all about this. If you want to get some out and look in, look in the universe and look at all the, uh, just the vast things that you can see, it all speaks to there being a creator. There's something bigger than us, right? Um, but with Moses and the nation of Israel, he uses specific revelation. He uses a burning bush. And the reason he does that is because Jews require a sign. 1 Corinthians 1.22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And so, you know, today, if you haven't, Maybe you're looking for the, you know, Jesus in the toast, or you're looking for all those different things that you see, you know. God's not going to reveal himself to you that way, okay? Uh, if that's not what you're looking for, then, you know, put the toast up. Put the toaster up and get your Bible out, okay? Uh, that's how he reveals himself to us today. Um, so, uh, Exodus 20, 18 through 21. And all the people saw the thundering. So, God has revealed himself in Exodus 3. And then Exodus 20, and this is kind of how I got into this. We're going over the, uh, the Ten Commandments with my boys. And when I got to this passage and the end of it, you see that the nation of Israel gets an opportunity. They all get an opportunity to, to commune with God. They all get an opportunity uh, to hear from him and to respond. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, what does it say? They removed. The act, exact opposite of what Moses did when he saw the burning bush, right? So God revealed himself to them through signs and wonders, and they removed themselves instead of going towards it. Um, and they said unto Moses, verse 19, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. And the people stood afar off. And Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. So your first key, God will give each of us an opportunity to have fellowship with him. So today, right now, as I'm speaking, not because of what I'm saying, not because of it's me, because it's the word of God, you have an opportunity you have an opportunity to draw near to what God wants you to hear today. Not because of the messenger, but because of the message. Uh, each Sunday when somebody stands up here and says, Thus saith the Lord, you can either go in and draw near, or you can pull back. You can dig your feet in, and I'm not going any further, or I'm going to keep going because I want to hear, hear what God has to say to me today. Uh, and that's happening right now, even as you're looking at me. Uh, Exodus 24-2. And this, to me, this is one, you know, there's, there's some sad situations and sad verses. This is a sad verse to me. Exodus 24-2. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. So from that point on, because they rejected what God had to say, they missed an opportunity. They missed an opportunity to be as close to God as Moses was. And then it goes on. Moses comes down. You remember, he goes up to meet with God. He comes down, and he, his face is shining. And they, they don't even want to look, look at his face. Uh, well, I'm, they're terrified. And so today, 
uh, for us, we have to understand that, that God wants to meet with us, and we all have that opportunity to respond rightly. Number two, let's look at the potential. And so, you know, again, I, I said earlier that we, we, there's, God has given us a blueprint, right? Well, what is that blueprint? And you may ask the question today whether you're saved or not saved, and how do I draw closer to God? And that's a great question to ask today. Well, guess where it starts? It starts with repentance. It starts with repenting. And, you know, if you're not saved today, then you can do that today. You can turn your feet towards his testimonies. You can say that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you can repent and be saved today. It's, it's really that easy. And we'll give you an opportunity to do that uh, at the end of the service. Uh, but for us, if we're believers, this is still the same thing. If you want to come closer to God, you, you need to repent. Whatever it is in your life that uh, is keeping you from going up the mountain and communing with God, you need to remove it. Whether it's your fear, whether it's your, it may be your job, it may be, it could be a, a whole list of things that we may say are good things, but uh, if it's not, it says anything that's apart from the faith is sin, right? And so we need to understand that today. Uh, there may be some things in your life that you're labeling as good things that may be sin, and we need to evaluate that. Hebrews 7, 19, it's, and this starts at salvation. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. So initially, at the point of salvation, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have drawn nigh to God. You have said, uh, I'm in need of a Savior, and you are and confessing him as Lord. And man, that's an awesome day. And I, I mentioned that earlier. I remember when that was, August 18th, 1980. Uh, he saved me from my sin. I'm thankful for that. And I hope you had that day in your head. I hope you have a time when you did that. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even, when we, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So there's nothing that you can do in your flesh that's going to get you into heaven. There's nothing that you can do that you can say, man, look what I've done. Uh, you're not a good person. I'm not a good person. There's nothing good in us. And if we're saved, Christ is the only thing that's good in us. And if you don't have him, then you have nothing good in your life. And I, I, can't, I can't get any clearer than that. Uh, and that's, that's, that's Bible. So, uh, and this continues on even after you're saved. Uh, Psalm 119.59, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet into thy testimony. So once we, you start hopefully getting in somewhere in church where somebody can reveal some truth to you through God's word, um, you know, either by a pastor or even by a discipler, you know, then you are always going to be presented with those opportunities. Thus saith the Lord, what do I do with that? You have two choices. You either turn your feet towards it or you turn away from it. And you may say, well, I haven't made a decision. Yes, you did. You turn, you're not going towards it. It's really that simple. Um, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. You know, and hopefully, like I said, if you've got that time in your life where you made that point, uh, decision for Christ, you had to come broken to him. You had to admit that you were a sinner in need of a savior. It's still the same process every time that you have to come to him. If there's something in your life that you need to repent of, you need to be broken about it. If you just stand, you know, wherever you are and just say, oh, sorry, Lord, sorry, just, couldn't, just didn't get it done, and then going about your day, that's not repentance. 
Now, there has to be a broken heart over it. You need to see your sin the way that God sees your sin. That's why the Israelites couldn't come. They didn't see sin the way that, God, that Moses saw it. And that's why they couldn't t- come towards him. So next, love what he values. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. I, we've changed computers, and so like the time is like in a different spot now. I've got to fix that because I can't, I, I can't ever tell how my time is up there. So I've got to work on that this week. So uh, Colossians, all of you are just like this, counting it. You know. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And again, something you learn as you get discipled, as you start to grow, is what are the things what, above? What are the things? Well, it's the souls of men, and it's the Word of God. Those are the only two things that are going to last forever. Uh, and that's where your affection needs to be today. If your affection is on anything other than those two things, then it's on the wrong thing. Because that's what God values. That's what he cares about. And if you don't care about what he cares about, then you're not going to draw closer to him. How do you develop that? Well, it takes work. Study yourself. Show yourself approved unto God. If you're not willing to actually learn about him through his word, then you're not going to be closer to him. It doesn't work any other way. And I wish it did. I wish it was just be, and now I'm, I mean, I wish it worked that way, but it's not osmosis. Is that the right process? Osmosis, right? Okay. Um, some of the kids are like looking at me like, what are you doing? So, uh, First Chronicles 29.3. They're like, I'm out of school. No more scientific processes right now. So First Chronicles 29.3, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of God, and this is David speaking, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above, all that what I have prepared for the holy house. And I'm not, you're good, I'm not going to speak about tithing today. Uh, that's not why I brought this verse up. The point is David sacrificed something that was his. And you see that consistently in his life. He didn't want anything from God that he didn't make an effort for. He didn't want anything from God that didn't cost him something. Uh, and that's the same with the way that we are today. Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart has to love the things that he loves. You have to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. If you want to be closer to him, then the same thing, any, got any guys that are married? Raise your hand if you're married, right? So... You're going to have to do some things and act like you're passionate about some things that you really care nothing about. If you, if you, amen. amen. Right, Gabe. Yeah. Women, you're married. Raise your hand. There's some things that you're going to have to do that you really don't want to do. There's some games that you're going to have to watch. There's some things that you're going to have to do that you really care nothing about. You do that. Why? Because you love your husband or you love your wife. You learn to love the things that he loves. You learn to love the things that she loves because you love them. It's the same thing with God. You learn to love the things that he loves because he's God and he gave himself for you. And if you don't do that, then you won't be closer. And it's just that simple. Next thing is the word of God. Souls of men, word of God. I've got word of God and souls of men. We'll do word of God first. Psalm 119.36. And 
The thing, again, if you've studied the Bible at all, if you've been through MTT, if you know those things, this is a plug, by the way, for MTT. If you're, you know, for those of you who've been through, if you, yeah, I'm kind of throwing out these little nuggets. MTT is coming in the fall, so get ready. Uh, you know, so uh, Psalm 119. The thing about the love about David, and again, he's a pattern for us as well. He loved God, but he, show, he, he was showing God that he loved him because he loved God's word. You have a whole chapter in Psalm 119, 100 and I think it's 76 verses of I love God, right? I love his testimonies. I love his statutes. They are my meditation all the day, right? Um, Psalm 119, 36, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Psalm 119, 40, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. 167, my soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Do you love God, the word of God that way? That's what God requires. If you don't love it, if it's drudgery to you, if it's something you're doing just to say you did it and get it over with, that's not the right attitude towards it. And God knows that. Uh, and he knows that you, you, that's how you feel about it. Key, the development of a love for the Word of God is essential for a communion with Him. So because God cares about it, because He values it, you should value it. And if you don't love it and you don't value it, then you won't draw closer to it. 119.129, thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. You know, oh, how I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day, 97. If you look at God's word as this list of boundaries that keeps you from doing the things that you want to do, you've got the wrong attitude about it. Uh, within those boundaries is where the freedom is because he's keeping you from the things that can harm you. You know, for parents in the room, would you ever, there's a reason you tell your kids don't play in the road, right? There's a reason that you put up gates, right? It's to keep your children from hurting themselves. That's why God has given us boundaries, is to keep us from hurting themselves. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to, it's not this thing where you're not going to have any fun and you're just going to be miserable all the time. That's not how he, how, that's not what he wants for you. So don't. Don't, get, don't be fooled by that. So, and don't have that misconception when you come to him. Next is the souls of men. You need to be passionate about the word of God, but you also need to be passionate about souls. You need to be passionate about sharing your faith. Somebody cared enough about you to share the gospel. Why do we not have that same mindset? You know, Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So that's how you make proof of your ministry. Uh, and so we need to be understand that. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto men in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. Commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So if you're uncomfortable sharing your faith, you got pets, go talk to, practice on them. Yeah, and then, you know, if they're a cat, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you're going to do about that, but uh, anyway, sorry, Lori, that was, that was too easy, so. Um, cats are just, they're just weird, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Jay and I, we kind of, there's some things that, you know, when he started discipling me that I had to learn. That was one thing that we had in common very quickly. We, we do not like cats, so... Second uh, Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And because he feels that way, then you need to feel that way. Um, you know, and this is not just taking it to people just that you are like you, it's taking it to everybody. Uh, the people that, you know, maybe you might be their only chance. You might be the only chance somebody ever has to hear the gospel. And to have that on your conscience is a tough thing, to, to know that you didn't do everything that you could. So make sure that you care about the souls of men. Make sure that you care enough, uh, just like somebody cared enough about you, to share, your, share the gospel. So next thing, and this is kind of, maybe this is, you know, I'm a slow person and I'm very simple. And this seemed like the really, a really simple way to be closer to God. Become more like Christ. Why? Well, because Christ is his son. They're part of the Trinity. Three or one. So the more like Christ you are, guess what? The closer to God you're going to be. Um, because it's not going to be something that's foreign to him. Uh, the more like Christ you are, the closer to God you will be. And how do you do that? Well, first let's look at these uh, that prove that they're one. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one, 17, 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. If you go back to Genesis, you know, when he talks about creation and he talks about, he said, let us make man in our image. Genesis, I believe, 1, 27, I believe. Uh, so the from the get-go, they've all been, always been together, and there's, there's a trinity, 1 John 5, 9, I believe. So um, suffer. How do you become more like Christ? Well, suffer. And everybody just signs up right there, right? Because we love to suffer. Unfortunately, because we live in Laodicea, and we'll have this in the next point, we will avoid this at all costs. You know, um, but Christ suffered. And so if we want to be like Christ, then we're going to have to suffer. Second uh, Timothy 3.12. Yea, and all, they, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus sometimes will suffer persecution. That's not what it says. It says shall. So if you're going to live godly, you're going to have some persecution. And maybe that's why some of us aren't really, and I'm pointing at myself, maybe that's why we don't get that much persecution because we're just not that godly. Philippians 3, 10 through 12. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excell excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. So, if you want to know Christ, if you want to be more like Christ, you're going to have to suffer some things. And if you will just get that clear in your head right now and just commit to that, that I'm going to suffer some persecution if I'm going to live godly, uh, then, you know, again, you'll be better off. Next, serve. Serve goes in your blank. 
Matthew 20, 26 through 28. It says, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The next reason, that, or the next way that we can be more like Christ is by serving. Uh, again, everybody signs up, right? I mentioned, that's why I mentioned earlier uh, about the people serving in the back. It takes, it takes a sacrifice. It takes you getting up earlier. It takes getting your family up earlier. Uh, if you're going to serve up here, if you're going to serve in the back, if you're you know, doing the slides, you're going to have to come here on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon and practice. Uh, it, you're going to have to prepare for a lesson. You're going to have to serve. And you're going to have to sacrifice some things. You're going to have to turn off your TV a little earlier and go to bed a little, a little earlier. Um, and so, we just again, get that mindset. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God... Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Again, Christ came to serve. If you want to be like Christ, and if you want to be closer to God, you're going to have to serve. And I know that's not popular where we're at in Laodicea. I know it's not popular to draw people into your church by saying, hey, we're going to need you to sign up to do some things. But we're just following the pattern that God has laid out for us. Unfortunately, we have this mindset now where it's the seeker-friendly gospel, uh, the country club mentality that you come in and you sit and you do nothing. Well, that's not what Christ wants for you. And that's not, you're not going to be closer to God by doing that either. Uh, you're not. Uh, sanctified is your next thing. James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, Psalm 66, I believe, somewhere around there, says if we regard iniquity in our heart, uh, the word of God says he will not hear us, Right? So if you, there's some sin in your life and there's some things in your life, some idols that you've set up. Again, I, t- I mentioned I'm going over the Ten Commandments and getting, them, getting my boys to understand that graven images are idols. They can't remember the great, they remember the idols, but they can't remember the graven images part. And so we're kind of working on that. But obviously probably nobody has a, I hope you don't have a shrine in your house. You know, if you do, that's creepy. But um, Okay, just making sure. But we set up idols in our hearts, right? We talked about that last week. There's some things in our lives that we make idols, that we put above God, that we put ahead of God. Uh, And it could be, again, some things that maybe we think are good things, but they're not the right things. Uh, And so we need to understand that if we put something ahead of God, then that's limiting us being close to him, Um, you know, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? And that doesn't mean, you know, your little graven images or any, that could be the things that you've set up in your heart. It could be your bank account. It could be, uh, like, you fill in the blank. Uh, And so 
for us as believers, then we need to cleanse ourselves. Uh, Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with tr- a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, so you're going to have to cleanse yourself. God's already done, you know, he sent Jesus to, sit, to die for your sins. He's done with your sin. He doesn't want it anymore. And so don't keep bringing it back to him and saying, hey, clean me up again. That's not how it works. You know, as a kid, you get, eventually, hopefully, you learn how to take your own shower. You're not constantly going back to your, kid, your mom or dad saying, oh, I, I, I've got some dirt on me. Go get your own bath. It's the same thing. Clean yourself. God doesn't want it anymore. And probably the people around you don't want it anymore either. They're tired of you doing it too. Because it affects them. And unfortunately, that's the way that we, you know, we expect to, why is God not speaking to me? Well, it's probably because of the sin in your life. And it's just that simple. And it works for me the same way. So, if we will do those things, if we can be sanctified, if we can serve, if we can suffer, if we can love the things that God loves, then he is going to be close to you. His word says so. But there's also some pitfalls. Uh, pitfalls. So the opposite of this, all of this is true. What will take me away from God? I wish I had however how many people in here. You know, we could all give you like the little compact mirrors. You know what takes you away from God? You know what takes me away from God? Me. You. You take yourself away from God. I take myself away from God. It's not, I can't blame it on anybody else. I can't blame it on my spouse. I can't blame it on my kids. I can't blame it on because Jay didn't disciple me well enough or anything else. Um, it's me. I take myself away from God. And how do I do it? Well, the first way is rebel. Rebel. Joshua 14, 6 through 9. And, man, this is a great study for anybody that wants to, if there's something that God has put, there's something he's laid on your heart that he wants you to do, and it looks intimidating. It looks like there's no way I could do this. This is a great study. Joshua 14, 9. If you remember, he told them to go take the land of Canaan. He sent out spies, um, and they come back, and they talk about all the great things they saw. Uh, But then the fear started setting in for 10 of those men that, that had scouted, right? Uh, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. This is after this, they said they're not going. Uh, there's giants there. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And so what they didn't settle in their hearts is that the Lord was with them, and he had their back. And Joshua and Caleb had already settled, I don't care how big they are, God's with us. So whatever God has told you to do, whether it's to serve or whether it's to get discipled or whether it's to go share your faith with somebody if he's laid that on your heart to do it then he's got you and if you don't do it if you rebel then you have taken yourself away from what God wants you to do 
And you're to blame for that. It's not God. He gave you every opportunity. He's given me every opportunity. And I, when I don't do what he asked me to do or what he's revealed to me in his word, then it's me that re- is rebelling. He's not moving. I am. And you're not, he's not moving. You are. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Man, and Saul gets beat up and probably rightfully so. Um, but we all got a little bit of Saul in us, unfortunately. Uh, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as an iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And obviously nobody here's had the opportunity to be a king. But how many times have we rejected the word of the Lord? From whatever, and how many times has that limited us from what God wanted to do with us? I wonder, man. I know personally, I've got a lot of times I rejected it. I've got a lot of, there's a lot of things that God could have, could have accomplished in my life if I'd just said yes. If I'd have just took that next step. And you don't have to, young people look at me, you don't have to be that way. Uh, you don't have to live a life where, you know, 30, 40 years down the road, then you're trying to make up for lost time. Redeem the time that you have today. And for anybody in this room, redeem the time that you have. Start today with whatever God's called you to do. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. And so, you know, we need to understand that if we are participating in anything that he hates, then don't expect to be close to him. Uh, don't, next thing, don't love what he values. So the opposite of all those points is what we're doing. So if you don't love what he values, then guess what? You're going to be further away from him. Isaiah 29, 13. Wherefore the Lord said, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and sometimes we don't even do that, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Matthew 15, 8, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, but honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So what is this? You know, we have a term for this. It's lip service, right? I used to hear this a lot growing up. Oh, I'll go do that. And my dad would tell me something to do. Yeah, I'll do it. It didn't take long for me to, you know, when I didn't do it, uh, there was always repercussions. Because I told him I would do it, and I didn't. And I wonder how often we're telling the Lord, oh, I love you, Lord, but our heart is so far from him. And the reason I know, the reason I can say this is because I've done it. I, I'm preaching to myself today. So this is for me. If it's, not, you know, if it's not affecting you in any way, well, then, you know, we'll be done in a few minutes and go to lunch. So next thing, don't obey the word of God. If you don't love what he values, if you don't obey the word of God, Zephaniah 3, 1 and 2, Woe to her that is filthy and polluted to the oppressing city. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. So when somebody stands up and gives you the word of God, or whether you read it for yourself in your daily reading, and, you know, 
you start getting convicted, and that's what the Holy Spirit is there to do, is convict you of your sin, and so you can change uh, and repent, which went back to the first point. Um, if you're not going to receive that correction, and that, that's, then don't expect to be closer to him. If you're going to say, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do, then okay, he's going to give you that opportunity to say yes or no. Romans 10, 21, but to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched, my, stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. You know, a lot of people will say we're the new Romans, and, um, and I would say we're probably the new Israel too, uh, the way that we, we do, because we are disobedient, and we are a gainsaying people. But yet God's still stretching his hands out. He still wants to have communion with us if we'll just repent. 2 Timothy 3.2, and this is where we live um, in Laodicea. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. If this describes anybody in this room, if this is where you are, then you are far away from God. He is nowhere near this. Uh, and if you, if you think that you're close to God and participating in any of these things, then you're just fooling yourself. Titus 1.16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. I think when you look at this verse, and we talked about this a little bit last week, we would say that, you know, we live in the Bible Belt, we know God, but do you know him through his word? Do you know his character? Do you know his nature? Or just, would you be honest and say, I just know about God. I just know some things, enough to talk the language uh, and, you know, do the Christianese. But I don't, you would say, I don't really know God. And you may be saved and don't know God. You know, if we're not, if we've been saved ever how many years, fill in the blank, if you're not closer to God than when you got saved, then... That's on you, and you don't know him. And unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, that stand before him, have their fire insurance, and be like clueless. But he's going to fill them in really quickly, and they won't be clueless then. They're going to stand before him and say, and look and round and say, well, they can't say they didn't know, because it's going to be very clear to each one of us. Next is don't do the Great Commission. So remember, he values the Word of God. He values the souls of men. So if we don't participate in the Great Commission, if we don't care about the souls of men, then we aren't going to be closer to him. Luke eleven thirty three. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. I think about this, and maybe this is crude. You remember the Christmas story, right? And Yeah, I'm going there. Just be, be with me. You remember the lamp that he got and how proud of it he was, right? Remember? And he set it up and his wife hated it, you know, and rightfully so. It was, it was a little much. <laughs> yeah. But my point is he was so proud of that. He wanted everybody in that town to see it. Are you so proud of the Lord? Are you so proud of what he did for you that you want everybody to know, that you want everybody to see it? Or are you, are you trying to break it and shove it back in the box and bury it? 
Are you not thankful for what he did for you? Because that's how we act sometimes. You know, we're quick, get the light off, you know, before somebody sees it. Put it up. We're, we're, we don't share it. We don't publicize it. We don't share it. 1 Corinthians 9.16, this is what Paul said about this. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So in other words, when you study out the word woe in Scripture, it always has a bad connotation. There's always consequences. There's always a punishment. Paul said, if I don't preach the gospel, then there's going to be consequences. Which goes to, you know, if you look in 1 Corinthians, if you look in 2 Corinthians, if when, at the judgment seat of Christ, there will be consequences. You will suffer loss if you don't share your faith. You'll still be saved, but by far. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 19. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become, are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say us. That's everybody in this room. If you're saved today, you have the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We have that. We have that ministry. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a teacher. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. You got all you need to share your faith. You have a testimony, hopefully. I know Chris probably talks about this on Friday nights. Your story is your story. And be, you should be able to share that. Uh, and you should be able to witness to people and say what God did for you. Next. Instead of becoming more like Christ, we become more like the world. We become more like the Israelites that said, I don't want anything to do with God. First John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Guys, I don't know if you've looked around. This world's really not that lovable. There's really not many redeeming qualities about it if you just, you know kind of examine it why would we want to love it it's just getting worse and so if we love the world then we're obviously you know going to rebel against God we're also going to, we're going to draw away from God and then you know our next three points are the same or the opposite as, as we get ready to close um, if we're not willing to suffer if we avoid suffering And unfortunately, this is where we live. We avoid it at all costs. We will uh, shy away from it. We won't embrace it. We want, don't want anything to do with it. And the problem is, is because if you're going to be godly, you will suffer. And so if you avoid that, well, then that makes you ungodly. See how that works? It's really not, it's, we make this a lot more complicated than it. It's just English. You know, if you remember in English, you remember how to diagram sentences and they, you know, the, the subject and the verb and the adverb. And, I mean, it still applies. 
But yet we, we make it so complicated. It's really not. Uh, and that's us doing it. But we want to avoid suffering. Second Timothy 4.10, for Demas hath forsaken me. And there's, I mentioned earlier a couple weeks ago, nobody names their kid Jezebel, I think it was. Nobody names their kid Demas. I don't know any Demases. Second um, Timothy 4.10, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. So if you study out Scripture, and I didn't put the other verse, Demas was serving at one time. Demas was with Paul. And they were doing ministry together. And there was a point where he said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going back to the world. I love the things of the world. I don't want to suffer anymore. I want to have it nice and have it, you know, have my cake and eat it too. And he got recorded for that. Uh, And, you know, it's the same way with us. If we aren't willing to suffer a little bit, to do anything that's hard, um, you know, then it, we are not going to be closer to it. My dad used to tell me that anything worth doing is going to be hard, and it's, it's worth the effort. Uh, and so that's the same way with serving God. It's worth the effort. Uh, next is serve self. So instead of serving others, you, you decide you're going to serve yourself. Romans 16, 17 through 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are of such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. And, you know, there is, talking about food and idols and all this stuff, but the, the point is, if you're serving yourself, if you're serving yourself and participating in the pleasures of life uh, more than serving the Lord, uh, then you're not going to be closer to him. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and I now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So again, if we're minding the earthly things, if those are the things we are participating in, if those are the things that we are constantly obsessed with, then you're not going to be closer to God. You're going to be farther away. And lastly, uh, if we continue in sin. So the opposite of being sanctified is uh, continuing in the sin. The sin that God saved you from, by the way. I believe Peter described it as a dog returning to his vomit. There's you a good picture. Sorry, i got to get that picture out of my head. Just Take me just a second. And we all, we all, when I said that, we all revolted, right? But the problem is we don't have that same mental picture about our sin. It doesn't make us sick to think about that. And it should. Because it's gross. God saved you from it. Romans 6, 1 through 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should serve not sin. So today, you're serving something. You're either serving the Lord or you're serving sin. 
I wish it were a better picture, but it's not. It's really that black and white. The problem with us is we want to make everything gray, right? Uh, it's not. And last verse, Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Mortify, that means kill, therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, graven images, and applied in your heart, for which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. goes on to say in verse 10, and now go put on the new man, right? Uh, each day you have a choice. Each day, uh, and really it, it's not just each day. It's probably like every second of every day, every choice that you make, right? Uh, you have a choice of putting on the old man or putting on the new man in his deeds. Um, again, if any of these things... and that list is, again, is pretty gross. That's like a vomit list, if you will. If you're participating in any of those things, God is nowhere near any of that. And you are far, far, far away from God. And you may say, well, I would never do those things. Um, I hope you have that attitude. I hope that you can say that you're not participating in any of those things. Um, and you would probably, you know, as far as the idolatry and the evil concupiscence and all those different things, but that list didn't stop there, right? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You know, all those things will draw you away from God. Uh, and again, it's not God that's moving, it's you. Uh, so, you know, we're going to close there uh, just because of the logistics. We're, we're not going to have a song, but I do want to give everybody a chance to respond. So if you will, just kind of uh, just be in a spirit of prayer. You know, God's word says in John 12, 32, that if I, this is Christ speaking, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Well, the fact was, he, he was lifted up. The fact is, he, wrote, he was crucified on the cross, buried, and he rose again, according to the scriptures. And today, if you, you know, haven't put your faith and trust in that, Jesus is drawing you today. He's, he wants you to understand that you can be saved from your sin. You know, if you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, if you died today, if you're watching online and don't know that, uh, it's very simple. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner, uh, that you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died and buried and rose again according to the scriptures, and he rose again on the third day, and you're confessing him as Lord of your life. And if you will say that and admit it and believe it, uh, the word of God says you shall be saved. And for anybody in this room, you can do that. If you're at home, you can do that. Uh, and if you're not sure how to do that, don't leave this place without coming to see me. I'll, I'll stay as long as I need to. So, For the believers in the room, you know, hopefully we all have a day when we ask Jesus to save us. But will we say we're closer to him now or farther away? You know, if we're farther away, again, it's not God who moved. If you let the things that you moved away from, uh, you know, let the things move you away from the things of the Lord. Hebrews 12 says you can lay aside those weights and the sin that does so easily beset us. So if you're trying to do this life without doing those things, without following the Lord's leading and guidance, then you're not where you need to be. And that's, it's really that simple. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, man, I'm, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the fact that it can change lives. I'm thankful that, uh, you know, it, is, it shows the intents of the heart uh, that is a discerner, that it can look at the things in our life uh, and really just kind of do surgery 
to reveal the things that need to be corrected, uh, that it can uh, cut away all those things that are, that are uh, limiting us and limiting our time with the Lord. Uh, and there may be some things in our life that we've, as we've gone through this uh, word today, that we need to cut away, that we need to really just have you spiritually remove those things, uh, that we admit that they're limiting what we can do for you uh, by allowing you to work through us because you can't be a part of that. And, Lord, I do pray that, that you know, right now, if there's people, you know, in this congregation, uh, at home, you know, what, that they would look at their lives and say, you know, I need to get rid of some of these things because it's hindering my walk with the Lord. Uh, I pray that they'd be willing to do that right now. I pray that as we pray, you know, the altar's open. If they want to come and just kind of share that, and uh, they can pray in their seat. Uh, I pray that uh, you would just move them to do that today. For anybody that's not saved, I do pray that they would come see me. Uh, they can come in this altar, and I'll pray with them. Uh, they'd be willing to do that. Uh, I can show them how to get saved. We can don't want to embarrass anybody. I'll take you in another room. Just come see me. Uh, but, Lord, uh, you're a good God. And I'm thankful that uh, you've given us your word. You've given us the revelation that we need uh, to do the ministry that you've called us to, the ministry of reconciliation. Help us to embrace that. Help us to look at the things and not be intimidated by them. You know, the spirit of fear does not come from you. Uh, It comes from Satan. It comes from the things of this world. And if we will just understand that you've got us, uh, that you want to be working through us and that you've got our back because you've given us power. You've given us everything that we need to do the ministry you've called us to. And I pray that we would embrace that. I pray that uh, we would not turn away when you're speaking to us, that we would not reject the word of the Lord, that we would say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do because you're a good God. Lord, we love you. I pray that you just watch over us the rest of the week. I pray that uh, you just give us Uh, those doors of utterance, that when we get those, that we would walk through them because you've opened them up for us. We love you. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.